Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. Remember, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, five stars, of course, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill, your host. Today, I'm joined by the legendary Matt Shear. Uh, Matt has kind of worked a traditional background, so to speak, in the aspect of kind of coming from the technical stuff, moving into like sysadmin, eventually traversing into system engineer type of stuff, and then uh, Let's talk about what you do now, Matt. I, I see you're with Bug Crowd. What, what kind of stuff do you do over there? Sure. So I'm a, an ambassador for Bug Crowd, uh, which means I sort of promote their uh, endeavors, uh, try to encourage people to learn how to become uh, white hack, ethical hackers, uh, encourage folks to uh, consider participating in bug bounty programs. Uh, just sort of a voluntary thing I do to uh, try to help them out. Um, and most recently, I've been seeing that as a way maybe for people to have a hard time getting their foot in the door in information security is a, a great initial opportunity since the barrier to entry is reasonably low. Cool. Now, do you, do you yourself do any um, research over there as far as like finding bugs or just mostly kind of like the ambassador angle of trying to get other people involved in it? So if I had more time, I would definitely do more research. <laughs> gotcha. uh, unfortunately, I'm so busy that the uh, best I've been able to do is sort of be a cheerleader at this point. Uh, I do hope if my schedule slows down a little bit, though, that I can actually start doing some bug bounty uh, program uh, work myself and doing some of that security research. Uh, as it is, I sort of do some of my own independent security research that's not really specific uh, based on a bug bounty. Gotcha. Um, so like in your current um, job, and we won't talk about like your, your uh, actual like full-time employer or anything, but um, are you primarily doing kind of more incident response type of stuff in that, in that role as a, a system security engineer or? It's a great question. I actually wear an awful lot of hats. So it's everything from digital forensic incident response, as you've alluded to, and you know, running point on things like phishing, uh, things like that. I'm actually a former email administrator, so I have a pretty solid background in fighting uh, email um, attacks, that sort of thing. I've done it quite a bit over the course of my career, so sort of get to continue that under the uh, security umbrella. But I also do other things, uh, such as vulnerability management is another key thing that I do. I also am in the process of standing up um, some data governance uh, regarding classifications and DLP. I also uh, sort of work with some of our firewalls, our next generation firewall, web application firewall, uh, things along that line. So a lot more stuff as well, but it's, uh, it, it keeps me busy. Nice, nice. So if I may ask, because you know, you've kind of been doing the tech side of things for a little while in different capacities, what sort of got you interested in tech in the first place? Did you kind of grow up with working on computers and geeking out like that, or was this kind of a new thing for you when you first started out? I'm going to show my age here a little bit because a lot of people uh, talk about the classic NES, and for good reasons, the solid system. But uh, really for me, it goes back to before that Atari 2600 and having that game system and sort of being interested in computers at an early age it wasn't commonplace when I was growing up as a kid. So anything that sort of touched on that was uh, 
instantly mesmerizing to me. My parents, for example, they were into antiques and doing some antique dealership collecting kind of things, and it really wasn't that appealing to me as a kid, perhaps because I was surrounded by it all day, every day. So that thing that was just out there and new, and there was really kind of a underground buzz about small computers and people doing amazing things with them. So I think the first computer I started working on were the old like Commodore VIC series uh, computers and doing some programming there. Our first family computer was an Atari 800XL, which was sort of tough because all my friends had C64, so they were all swapping wires back and forth, <laughs> and I was the odd man out. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, some people out there probably don't know what Atari is. Um, I do, uh, though I've, I, I was trying not to sh kind of show your age there, Matt, but that's, that's, that's totally fine. Um, I, I had seen some of the, the information on your profile there and I was like, okay, he probably knows what Atari is. Um, so sure. cool. well, I'm glad at least, yeah. we, you know, we, we have a bond there that, uh, you know, younger people probably don't know about. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And anybody had seen the movie war games. I remember when that movie came out and even before that, I think the year before that, Tron was out and just sort of the birth of the uh, ar you know, arcades in the early 80s. And uh, growing up around that uh, was just, I was always in the technology and always sort of trying to figure out how to hook things up differently and do weird things. <laughs> nice. Now, you've spoken at, um, at quite a few conferences and, and some of those, you know, for, for a while. Uh, do you have any type of conference that's sort of your favorite one to speak at or, or uh, even along those same lines, like attend, like, do you have a favorite conference? Like some people like B-Side, some people are kind of DEF CON fans, some people are Derby Con, uh, some people Black Hat. Uh, do you have kind of a preference of where you've kind of had the best experience what, either attending or as a speaker? Sure. I think for me personally, attending wise, Derby Con is always my favorite. I've also enjoyed the opportunity to speak there on a couple of occasions so uh, for me it's a personal favorite i'm a little sad that it's uh going away after this year but uh i'm definitely going to be there to uh see its final year and uh bid it adieu and uh in terms of actually speaking at a conference my personal favorite venue actually happens to be in my own backyard in cincinnati at b-side cincinnati Nice. was at the okay. 20th Century Theater, coolest venue I've ever spoken in by far. And uh, just even walking up the, on the big marquee, it's an old converted movie theater that you know, goes back to the 1970s, but they've renovated it and done it very tastefully. And they had B-Side Cincinnati on the big marquee, and I'm walking up, and then there's these, well, they must have been about uh, two foot by five or six foot posters, and they, they had... A, two of them and the first one was on was the b-side cincinnati 5.0 event and the other one listed the speakers and the credits it was just it was really shocking i had no idea that they were doing that heading into it i was just sort of blown away that uh you know <laughs> it was almost the movie star treatment for somebody <laughs> that does information security for a living it was pretty right. pretty neat nice nice now um you know, you've got, you've got quite a few, uh, like Microsoft shirts and stuff like that. Um, so I always have to ask this on, on the podcast, like what's your opinion regarding like degree certificates? So for somebody kind of starting out, do you kind of recommend a certain path for them? Like if they want to get their foot in the door, you know, whether that's like as a help desk person over in it or 
their first you know job in cybersecurity industry. Um, any any kind of preference on your or or at least opinion uh, from your end on based off your experience of what they should kind of be looking at. Sure, I think anytime you have an opportunity to get a degree would be wise to get it done. Uh, I made bad decisions in my early 20s, so I would hope that your audience doesn't uh, replicate those. And uh, it's something that I, I hope to get back to and, and complete later, but uh, it's been an uphill climb to get to where I was without it. I think the thing with a degree is once you have it, you always have it. Uh, certifications uh, certainly, you know, depends on really what the job is, but I, I really think that it's hard to gauge somebody if they have a certification, uh, if they just knew how to pass a test or you know studied really hard um, versus somebody that actually has real passion for it. So I actually just gave a talk on July 13th at the Ohio Information Security Forum Anniversary Conference, and it's a talk called Continuous Skills Improvement for Everyone. And the thing I tried to drill home is show me what your passion really is. Uh, it's hard to tell on paper. People look good, but sometimes you talk to them and you just don't get the sense that they really are super into the technology uh, that maybe they're there to try to get a decent job. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think if you're really trying to find somebody on a small team that you really need to have somebody that's super solid. And so what I encourage folks to do is demonstrate ways that they can show that they're passionate and sort of put it on, you know, out there, something public facing, whether they're writing articles or posting videos or they're writing reviews, going to conferences, are they volunteering at conferences? Uh, are they part of their local IT meetup groups? Those sort of things that sort of indicate to me that this is not just somebody looking for a nine to five job, but somebody that actually has a little bit of passion for what they're doing. And uh, for me, those are those things that stand out that don't really match that traditional qualification triangle of certification, experience, and education. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I talk a lot to uh, people that reach out to me, like on LinkedIn about, you know, personal branding. And that's one of the components of, you know, putting yourself out there, filming videos, even if you're not an expert in everything, there's something that you know that somebody out there right now is trying to learn. And so if you can share that information. Um, and by the way, for, for everyone listening, I'm going to link uh, what Matt was talking about his presentation. He had already sent me that link and I checked it out. Uh, awesome uh, presentation, by the way. So uh, that's going to be linked in the podcast. So you can take a look at that. If for some reason you can't, access it or download it or, you know, it's a YouTube video, um, let me know on link via LinkedIn and I'll, I'll send that to you directly. Um, so regarding kind of meetup groups, are there other specific ones or that you sort of recommend? I know based off where someone's located at, cause I've got a very diverse audience, um, you know, all around the world, but let's just focus on kind of the U S are there certain meetup groups that you've noticed that are consistent among different cities, like maybe a certain, name you know like for as an example b-sides of course is a conference but it's in different cities um is there any type of meetup group that you've seen kind of across the board there that people can easily find in their area so great question and what i often encourage folks to do is look for chapters local chapters for national organizations as one place so for example issa often has um, different chapters, different cities across the country. 
same thing with ISC squared. They often will have local chapters. The other places you can look at uh, tends to be more east to west, uh, but you can look for 2600 meetup groups. Uh, also DC groups, which tend to be more west to east, but I've seen a lot of intermixing now uh, where it's less territorial than it used to be. So I believe DC groups has a, uh, a website if you search for it and look for you know those as places that have local groups in your area. The other two places I encourage folks to go to is eventbrite.com to look in your local area. Just run a search on security or cybersecurity, information security, something like that, and see if there's something in your area. The other place is meetup.com is another great spot where you can look for local information security meetup groups. I happen to run one and I post my stuff on meetup.com, but I've seen them on both. So those are great places you can just go to and look at and try to find if there's a local group in your area. Uh, OWASP also comes to mind as sort of a national, international presence and in looking for a local chapter. Cool. Yeah, and definitely, um, uh, I know Meetup is very, very popular, at least in the area that I am in, in Texas. Um, there's a ton of Meetups there. Um, sort of along the lines of what we talked about, you know, as far as like somebody getting like certifications, degrees, whatever, uh, on like a resume, is there anything in particular you've noticed over the years that's benefits, been, been more beneficial to put like on your resume versus something else, whether that's listing things a certain way or whatever? I think for me, I just try to look for you know, obviously I've reviewed all the qualifications if I'm in a situation to interview individuals. So I'm just trying to understand what their background is. It, things that are interesting, uh, I'll try to ask questions about. Uh, I would encourage folks, if if you put something all over your resume, you should have a, a pretty basic knowledge of it, at least be able to answer some simple questions. Um, I can think of one particular example where somebody had Linux and BSD and Unix all over their resume and uh, was just trying to ask some very open-ended questions just to get an idea can this individual troubleshoot and they couldn't even answer very simplistic questions like the kind of stuff you would find in by chapter two or three of any basic Linux administration manual but I think the biggest thing yeah certainly you need to get the basics right you need to have your contact information very important you need to have your experience, your education, and your qualifications and, and your skills. I, I think one thing to try to put on there is actually list out your accomplishments if you have an employment history. Uh, those are, are very critical. It doesn't just show me what you did day to day, but really you know how you drove things forward where you were working. The other thing I look for are just those little extra things. For example, if you're you know, participating in, in meetup groups, if you're doing, you know, certain research activities, or if you're out there bug hunting through bug bounty programs, if you've participated in CTF, capture the flag events, those are the kind of things that show me this person sort of has gone above and beyond. So if I see those kind of things on my, on our resume, it really piques my interest. Cool. Uh, now, regarding resumes, a lot of people out there that without experience and stuff like that are probably like, well, how am I supposed to get it past the HR filter? Um, have you found, at least either in your own experience or just talking with people or even the people that you've you know, hired, have you found that 
it's better for people to get out there and kind of network first. Like, let's say as, as an example, I wanted to, uh, you know, work at the company you're currently working at. Again, we're not going to name it, but um, let's say I wanted to work there. Should I try to meet up with different people at that company first or should I just try to apply for that job and see what happens? What's kind of your opinion on that? Great question. So I can tell you how I ended up there. The gentleman that ran the information security meetup group that I now run today uh, I've been going to that group for a number of years and actively participating in discussions and so forth. And uh, so we had a rapport and we had a friendship. There was a uh, definite comfort level there. Uh, bear in mind, it actually took me about 20 years to finally get into the information security career I'd always wanted to. So I first read an article on Dan Farmer who had built out the security analysis tool for analyzing networks. This was an article in Information Week magazine in 1995. And the thing that struck me about it, not just what he had done and, and him as an individual, but uh, the thing that really struck me about it was, here's somebody that does information security work for a living. In 1995, that was relatively unheard of, I wanna say. So it really, I, I just remember thinking, wow, that would be really awesome to someday have a job where my core focus is on information security. And uh, it took me about 20 years to realize that dream. Uh, one of the things for me personally is I'd always been sort of a privacy zealot and uh, really tried to be as off the grid and as anonymous as possible. Uh, what I found is I ended up in a kind of a dead end job and it was at a time when the economy was rough. It was really hard for me to move on from there. It really shifted my uh, focus because I realized I was going to blaze my own trail out of there and I did that eventually but again it was an uphill climb it really didn't have to be uh, so ever since then I've really tried to sort of be out there in the public and at least be high, high profile enough and get to know individuals enough where if I needed to leave a situation like that again that I would have help in doing so uh, realizing that I didn't know anybody outside of uh, the you know, small circle where I was already working and, and wanting to leave, it, it really didn't uh, do me any uh, good service at all. So I think the thing that really helped me get in the position where I was, was, was as I mentioned, going there and being a presence. Uh, and then also I got an opportunity to speak at DerbyCon 5, and that was sort of instant credibility, really. And those two things together really are what got me the opportunity I had. Uh, I can tell you that I've definitely paid that um, forward as I've found other individuals I've helped mentor and I've helped a number of folks get interviews. And in some cases it's led to jobs and others it hasn't, but at least they had an opportunity to uh, um, apply and actually speak to somebody seriously about the potential of, of getting an employment situation. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something uh, very valuable there. It's important to pay it forward, you know, because uh, all of us had somebody give us a chance, and uh, it's very important to, to give back. Um, I think you've given some some great advice. Any other advice for someone just kind of starting out, or or even those that are maybe experienced in the industry, or maybe people transitioning from IT? Because we kind of get a mixture, like I said, on this particular podcast of people from all walks of life uh, trying to make that transition. Um, so any other valuable advice that you want to share with anyone? Sure. The the biggest thing, and I, again, I talked about this in the, uh, the talk I gave on the July 13th conference, but uh, 
emotional intelligence actually has probably done more for my career and getting to where I wanted to be than anything else. And it was something that I didn't really know about until uh, an employer put me in a sponsored training and not just me, but it was something that they sent most people to. And uh, I didn't really know what to expect heading into it. And I got far more out of it than I ever thought I would. And really, it's just sort of understanding how to interact with people and not just always talk to somebody when it's only about something work-related, but really about developing relationships and trust and getting to know folks. And they tend to want to go the extra mile for you if they have a good opinion of you. So those are the kind of things if you uh, run an internet search on emotional intelligence improvement, there's a lot of great articles. And what I encourage folks to do is read through some of them and maybe bookmark a few couple few of the favorite ones they have and revisit those and do refreshers. It really is one of those things where I remember talking to the instructor and telling me that really the studies that they've done on that have shown that people with the highest emotional intelligence quotient, EIQ, are oftentimes more successful and earn more compensation than even the smartest people. So that's something that has really helped me blossom in my career from sort of being stuck in, in dead-end jobs to really getting where I wanted to be. And uh, it, it, you know, there's a really a, a high ceiling beyond that if I you know, depending on what path I want to take. Cool. Yeah, um, I, I think emotional intelligence is uh, definitely critical. Are there any conferences that you have coming up on your schedule that uh, people out there that are maybe like, hey, I want to, you know, maybe I'm in the Cincinnati area or I just want to find out where he's going next? Uh, not the stalker type, <laughs> by the way, but just, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we don't want those people and hopefully they're not listening to this type of podcast. Um, but any other, any conferences you have on the agenda for, through the rest of the year? That, uh, that, that you'll be speaking at at least. Oh, yeah. So the one definitive thing I have on my schedule is the ISSA International Summit. It's October 1st and 2nd. I don't know which day I'm going to be speaking yet, and it's there in Dallas, Texas. So I will be speaking okay. at that conference with a brand new talk I'm calling Lend Me Your IRs. <laughs> nice, nice. Cool. Uh, so yeah, for anyone out there that's in the Dallas area or willing to travel, definitely um, me try to meet up with Matt at the conference there. Uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure. I mean, you share, share some really good information, uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully the information is beneficial for someone listening out there. Um, that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast. Like like Matt was talking about giving back, so um, that's what we're trying to do. And, and it's really been an honor to uh, have you on the podcast, Matt. Well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure to uh, chat with you. Absolutely, thank you.